you're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Doing good. We're doing, doing good. We're up at my uh, lake place, just enjoying a little bit of time off, uh, enjoying some uh, too much food and too much, and not enough, uh, I guess, not enough sunshine, but we're having a good time. Fair enough. Similar to the weather here in Winnipeg today, uh, lots of thunder showers, which is why uh, this bricklayer was home early. Um, but uh, sounds like not a bad way to uh, to spend a week off, uh, a little bit of vacation time, a little bit of R&R, uh, some team bonding per se. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, we're having a hard time. It's a bit unclear on what's coming across. So if I answer the question improperly, it's because I didn't understand what you said. But, you know, we, yeah, we're taking a week off. We're going to be racing here at our local track. And then we're, uh, you know, we're really trying to assess whether or not to go back east with the truck and the riders, uh, or the rest of the motocross series, whether it be Canadian or American, because, uh, you know, the guys are tired, to be honest. Um, that's what people, you know, the average guy doesn't understand is that what these guys go through, uh, you know, three months, four months before the season even starts, they're, they're working so hard to get the bike right and get themselves right. And then they race for, you know, 20, 25, 30 races uh, uh, throughout the year, and that's inclusive of, uh, you know, travel and injuries and everything else. And it just... These guys are tough, but it's 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 hard on them. So, with that being said, you know we're looking at like four, three, four races left in the season. It's like, um, point, and uh, you know we're really kind of focusing on trying to be more of a supercross team anyway. Uh, I was just going to say, like, it's almost better to get your ducks in a row, make sure that you're ready to hit the ground running, come uh, Anaheim one. Well, it is. You know, I mean, a lot of the teams are, are I think, either in the motion of, of, of looking at motocross and what its value brings or, you know, kind of looking at others. You know, it's um, we all, you know, motocross is our roots and we all love it. But, uh, you know, from, from being able to sell sponsorship to present uh, large attendance numbers to wear and tear on the rider and the equipment and the expenses of the truck and so on and so on, you know, it's 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 quite a bit more difficult and more expensive. And, uh, again, uh, you know, it's return on investment and so on. And so, you know, if we were able to, you know, win a championship with our guys, maybe it would, uh, net, uh, sponsorship dollars that would equal the investment. But if, you know, if we, even if we finish top five, we don't, we don't really believe that 
the money's going to come back to us that we spend to go get that fifth place. So what's the difference if it's fifth or 15th? Uh, on our end, we spend the same amount of money, and money coming in probably doesn't equal enough to justify it because it's, it's tough to do motocross. 100%. And uh, speaking of uh, a top five finish, it must have been pretty cool for yourself as a team owner to uh, to see your guys running at the top of the, the class in the 450 class, not only in uh, the time qualifying, but uh, early in the first moto there, uh, two MCR bikes up front and styling. Yeah, you know, we, we really, you know, I mean, it wasn't a gigantic surprise to us. You know, Mike has uh, done well at Washugo in the past, and uh, he's been at Washugo. Um, Mike didn't really care for the the track that day just because of the, you know, if you've been to Washugo, it's extremely, uh, slick, mm-hmm. uh, when, when the rain comes and it just made Mike nervous. And, and so he could have rode a lot faster than he was riding, but, uh, you know, so to see those guys and then Vince, is, you know, they're just, both of them are real good starters. Um, Vince is improving by the day on the, on the big bike. And so, you know, we went up to Canada, and he and he was pretty strong up there, as you know. And and um, you know, it wasn't really a surprise for us to see Vince up there, giving Mike or anybody else all the trouble, or leading them for that matter. Um, we we know who Vince is and and can be. So that's some good guys. Um, our bikes proved that they work uh, out of the box, and um, you know, down the drag strip, you know, uh, getting some good starts, and um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, Mike had some. The shoes crashing out and goggle issues are equal, not great performance. Many um, held tight and finished, finished up like 10th, which is way better than people may realize. 100%. That's uh, nothing to sneeze at whatsoever. Um, this Moto Concept started in 2012. I believe the press release was uh, October 2011. Uh, and you guys have stayed on, uh, you've been, it's been a, a Suzuki motorcycle, unbranded as to be such. Uh, and, uh, and you've continued forward with that, as well as uh, JT Racing Gear, which has uh, taken on a new form uh, this year with uh, some custom-looking stuff from you guys this year. Uh, explain a little bit of, uh, about going uh, that route. Well, um, actually, Motor Concept started in 2008. Our full oh, year sorry. in the semi was yeah. 2009. Steph Alessi was our rider. And actually, Vince Freezy and a couple other guys. And we've had some success. But in terms of the branded gear and everything else, you know, it's it's just my belief that that's part of what's holding the industry back is that the land a major sponsor and then put that major sponsor's look or logo on, on gear that doesn't match that brand's corporate colors is a lot of what's wrong. And I, you, if you look at other forms of racing, it's pretty evident that that's not how they do it. You know, the UPS NASCAR guy is wearing a brown race gear, which is probably the ugliest gear you could get, but it's yeah. what, what, you know, it's the symbol yeah, of UPS. Yeah. So, so that's what we're trying to kind of say, not just to our program, but really to the whole industry or sponsors working or even our competitors is that, um, it's probably not to the best interest of the team to get a token amount of money from a gear company. Um, it's really somewhat a small amount to the total package um, to the rider or to the team. Um, it's probably more not worth it than, than it is worth it. And so we believe taking one step back and two forward concept of building a look 
or a concept, I guess, that says uh, this could be yours, Mr. Major uh, Corporate Sponsor. Well, that's really cool. Uh, obviously, you've seen this team grow since 2008. Uh, and uh, at that time, the housing market was absolutely, uh, well, it, it, prior to that was booming. A little bit of a turn down, uh, of course, with the, the business that you that you uh, own, Smart Top uh, Accessories for Hot Tubs. Do you, have you seen a spike or a rise in the, uh, the global housing market? Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the good news is our 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 industry, and like many others, is doing much better than it has in the past. And of course, that affords us the ability to take our product, our race team, and and market it and brand it. So, you know, it uh, it, it is a better economy, but it still is the same things are required, whether it's a good economy or a bad economy. And that is, you know, good business sense and. Um, going out and promoting and marketing your, your products. And so how do you do that? One of the vehicles we use, uh, of course, is the race team. So we're at a lot of consumer events or events that are consumers, a lot of consumers that are there in the Supercross arena. And uh, we've taken that opportunity to put our product on display. So, yeah, the, the industries are better. Uh, unfortunately, we jumped in the motorcycle racing industry when, uh, when it was at its all-time worst. And, um, you know, the manufacturers, um, they've not chosen to really uh, carry the load, if you will, for all of the smaller groups, smaller guys like us or others. So that makes it a little tougher. Oh, definitely. Uh, I know I, I uh, just last night I had uh, Naveen from Power by Naveen on the show, and he was mentioning how he worked for uh, Honda back in 2004 when uh, there was unlimited budgets. It seems like everyone got uh, a, a ton of support, and then uh, basically the bottom fell out of it, and uh, startup teams that were looking to uh, make a, a big splash or, or, or contribute a lot to the sport uh, were kind of uh, left out in the cold a little bit with uh, those big companies uh, pulling back a little bit yeah you know it, it, it's way tougher than people realize you know i mean uh, uh, let's look at chad reed i mean a first class guy first class rider first class program from a to z the right mechanics the right equipment the right trucks you can't do it better than chad did it and um you know the spend it and they will come mindset um just doesn't work right now in this um, racing industry and it's unfortunate because it's if we don't figure out something uh, the teams you know like mine or Chad's or whoever you know we're going to be really um, well, I don't know stressed I guess or stretched uh, to be able to continue to bring uh, you know, spend a million or two million dollars a year going racing it's at some point something has to give and um, yeah, you know, like I said, the motorcycle manufacturers were the guys that were helping guys like me uh, offset that. And so their budgets, who knows what they were, but maybe they were $20 million for their brand in American Motocross, Supercross, and now they might be a quarter of that, and they might be putting it into their own programs. Um, well, that loss of, you know, 10 15 20 $30 million, in the paddock from all the guys that, you know, that make motorcycles, um, that puts a real bind on the whole community. 
hundred percent. Like uh, if they're going to cut back the funding uh, of their of their racing effort by a quarter, there's going to be a like there's going to be uh, three quarters less supported teams out there, and uh, for guys like yourself, makes things uh, a difficult job even more difficult. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, is that the you know the the secondary manufacturers, whether that be helmets or mm-hmm. gear or or whatever, they kind of follow suit and. Um, are squeezing it back. And, you know, I understand why they squeeze it back if they're struggling to make, you know, if the economy's bad. But the reality is, is that through the down economy, what they have learned is that they can pay less and still get away with it. Get away with it. And I don't fault them for that. That's business 101. But that's what's happening is they're paying less and still getting just as much uh, support or effort by the teams, uh, even though they're paying less. And, that's a short-sighted answer, in my opinion, because eventually, while they feel like they're winning, uh, if they're not going to be there to help um, help the, help to help everybody get to the races, um, you know, uh, a lot of us might you might not have much racing at some point. So it's it's kind of a uh, a bad deal. Yeah. Hundred percent. Now, um, on a, a completely unrelated note, I, I know that you grew up riding motocross. Maybe not at the level of those that you have on your team or those that you watch on the weekends. But uh, when was the last time you swung a leg over a bike? <laughs> we were, you know, I'm I'm 56, and um, you know, I, yeah, I never was very good compared to these guys. So, but uh, you know, it. Um, if you don't ride, as you know, if you don't ride and stay with it and all that, and, and, all that, uh, and you do go then hop on it, you know, you really open the door for something to happen. And it's even hard to do. You know, you're out of breath and out of shape and uh, out, of, out of shape on the bike, meaning squirrely, and this goes on. So, um, so you know, it's kind of tough uh, to just hop on it. I like it, but, you know, so. But I do have some vintage bikes. We do some vintage racing. I got some really nice a nice Mako 250 and a nice Mako 400 and some old Elsinore's and we do some of that. So pretty hard to get hurt on those. No doubt. Um, like, are those bikes that you would have raced on or uh, or wished to have raced on when you were uh, a young guy coming up? Yeah, that's the stuff we rode for sure. Um, yeah, I never had the resources to own a Mako, but uh, we strapped together some Elsinore's and stuff in the yeah. I had some good buddies that were all top pro, local pros in the Northwest of the top notch guys. So I had that benefit going for me, but yeah, I was always just an average guy. Sounds like we're in the same boat as far as our skills on the motorcycle would go, but, uh, um, as far as uh, the future of uh, Moto Concepts Racing, uh, where do you see yourselves in 2016 and beyond? Uh, what are you hopeful for? Well, you know, we're just kind of putting all that together right now. Um, we're probably, you know, I'm probably leaning towards, again, I'm a motocross enthusiast, but financially, um, to keep racing and the, and the most sensible vehicle for marketing for any team uh, and sales and return on investment is by far um, super fast. You, know, you got 60,000 people there, you know, eight of the 16 rounds are, on the West Coast, so they're really right in our backyard. The amount of travel and cost that they could get there uh, is minimal. Um, the wear and tear on the bikes, I mean, on a, super, on a motocross bike, you know, some of them we almost have to throw them in the trash after the race. Others, you know, we have to 
rebuild the bike down to you know the frame and replace a lot of stuff and just eat the motorcycle up and you know guys like Finch or Mike those guys are you know they're just brutal on a dirt bike you know and and so in supercross you get the, you pull the thing back into the pitch and you basically blow it off with an air hose and you get you get ready for next week change the air filter so it just makes a lot more practical sense financial sense uh, sense for the riders again. 16, 17 rounds. I mean, you think about it, hockey, football. Like how many games they play? 16, 17. Well, I guess basketball is 83, but they said it's the same timeline. But, you know, for these guys to do this for 30 races plus travel um, and, again, injury um, from, you know, from from December to basically September, October, in a month or two of not racing and, and you know, the training, it's just too much on them. And when they got worn out mentally and physically is when they're going to start hitting, you know, making mistakes and getting hurt. And I don't believe in that. I don't want my guys hurt. So I think something has to give in a lot of different ways, financially, uh, you know, physically for the guys and so on. And so, well, we'd like to do all supercars and motocross. I think you're probably going to see us just do major, if not all of them, a majority of the supercrosses out there. If we got one guy that's vying for a championship. We'll make sure and get him to some round that's very difficult for us to reach. But if it's not, we might even opt to bypass a round or two. So. Awesome. Well, uh, Mike, it's been a pleasure for me to have you on here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Uh, you've been a guy that I've wanted to have on for a long time because uh, anyone who's willing to uh, spend the kind of money that you have on motocross, be a supporter of it, be an advocate of it, and uh, is, is someone who's very passionate about the sport. And uh, I, I knew you'd have a lot of great things to say. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's, let's hand it over to, uh, to Tony. I'll throw it to commercial real quick. Uh, but uh, I really appreciate you giving me some time and uh, speaking with me during your uh, vacation. Yeah, you know, again, it's our pleasure. We're, we're, we're trying to take any opportunities that we can and any platform we can to kind of just help everybody understand what happens behind the scenes at this level. So um, thanks, thanks again for the opportunity, and I'll, I'll pass it on to Tony. Awesome. Thanks. And we're off to the first commercial break. We'll be right back after these. Hi, this is Naveen from Powered by Naveen. Uh, you are listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Uh, I don't know why, but you know, keep listening. I'm pretty sure there are some good things on the way. All right, guys. All right, guys. It's time for a commercial. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. 
That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Indigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12 the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Bill's Pipes. The home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to Bill'sPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lidinovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. We're back on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show with uh, none other than Tony Alessi. Tony, uh, it's been way too long since the last time we talked. Yes, it's been a while, for sure. How are you, my friend? I understand you're on a little bit of vacation up in Spokane, Washington, uh, after a pretty busy weekend. Uh, not only some PIR, but uh, something called a, an American National, something like that. Yeah, American Motocross Nationals. Yeah, so we're uh, we're up here. Um, it's basically a couple of days off. Then we're going to do a motocross school at uh, Airway Heights, and then we're going to do a whole shot clinic at Airway Heights, and then we're going to do a, they have a pro like money race out there. So any pros that are hearing this, you know, you probably want to come participate because there's a pretty good purse up there. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's this week. And then we're going to go back, uh, to California next week and, and, uh, get some motorcycles and, um, basically get started for 2016. 
boom, just like that. Uh, we're not even in August yet, and uh, and you're, we're pulling the trigger on uh, on 2016. Uh, interesting, you'd have a uh, a whole shot clinic. I've heard of riding clinics, but of course, uh, your son a bit of a uh, a bit of a master at those show whole shots. But uh, Vince Freeze proving that the MCR machine uh, is capable as well. Um, tell me a little bit about what you'd learn at a uh, for any of those who are listening and looking to t- take part. What would they be getting in a, uh, a whole shot clinic other than the obvious? Basically, in the whole shot clinic, um, first thing we do is we talk to you about how to set up your motorcycle. Obviously, things like you know where to set your whole shot device. Um, you know, every bike is different, every guy is different, every dirt is different, and um, variations of um, you know how you want to do that. You know, and then uh, obviously how your chain is supposed to be set up, how your tire pressure is supposed to be set up, what type of tire to use for the start based on the dirt. You know, uh, we talk about the clutch, the difference between flipper clutches and traditional clutches. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of discussion that we go over to talk about the bike, you know, to help them understand it's not just about holding the throttle wide open and hoping to get a good start. You've got to set the motorcycle up right, and then obviously there's, uh, there's technique, you know, that needs to be, you know, practiced and learned, you know, how to do it. Um, from shifting to the release point of the clutch to uh, body position, you know, to how you look, where your eyes go. I mean, there's many, many facets to it. So, uh, but everybody seems to get something out of it. They like it. Um, they learn from it, and then they start getting whole shots, and they're pretty pumped. Right on. And not, not before we get uh, too far into this, I almost forgot to congratulate you on uh, your most recent uh, on your on. Uh, you've got married recently. I did. I did. Uh, so I was pretty happy with that. Absolutely. So, Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I got, I got, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that whole thing. It's, uh, I'm excited about it. It's definitely something, uh, in the chapter. So yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. For sure. So uh, I would love to hear your evaluation of uh, the performance of Moto Concepts, not only in 2015, but uh, most recently this weekend uh, with uh, Washougal's performance, seeing uh, not only two of your riders in the top 10 during practice, during the time qualifying, but then uh, early in the first moto, uh, that mutter uh, featured uh, two MCR bikes up front. Yep, that's correct. Um, I mean, and, and it, this is not like something that's a surprise, you know what I'm saying? In 2012, Moto Concepts uh, via Michael Essie was second in the championship for yes, motocross with nine, nine podiums, led 157 laps, and uh, got the most hole shots, which I believe the number was nine of the season. So it's not like we don't know how to do this, you know what I'm saying? It's, and it hasn't happened before, you know. And also that same year, Michael Essie, who's not talked about as a supercross rider, was sixth overall, which is a tremendous feat for a non-factory team. No and, doubt. Um, and even won a moto there at Washougal beating Ryan Dungey, which was ex- you know, exceptional. Um, in terms of this, this year, um, uh, both Michael Essie and Vince Freeze had, had success early in Supercross um, with good bikes, you know, good program. Michael Essie won a heat race. He won a semi at Daytona. You know, so he was on his way to doing pretty good, but he had a lot of injuries this year. And mm-hmm. Vince Freeze, same thing. He led uh, a bunch of heat races in the 250 class and was a top five guy for the most part for most of that season until he got injured, you know? And so injuries is kind of what, which, which has slowed us down a lot this year, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, um, it, it's really hurt, you know, um, but in terms of the, in terms of the bikes, I mean, we had 
we had two MCR bikes in spots five and six this week at Washougal that were up there running up front, and the conditions were tough, and they were grueling. Um, but again, I mean, uh, um, you know, uh, we have the ability to put together a program that can make that happen. Absolutely. You got the, the utensils necessary to get the job done. And uh, one thing I wanted to definitely bring up with you is that uh, motocross, especially motocross, and performing at the highest level is all about pushing the uh, the limits of material and equipment. And I'm not too sure if there's anyone in the world going faster on race tech suspension than uh, the athletes that you have under your tent. Oh, wow. Race tech is amazing. It was probably the single best thing that we've done in, in a number of years. Uh, and, and here's the thing that people don't recognize is that um, a lot of the amateur success that Michael Leffy had and Vince Freeze had was when they were on race tech. I mean, Michael Leffy took an amateur bike in 2004 at Steel City and put it on the podium in the premier class when he was in ninth grade. And that was a race tech bike, you know. And so that means that that particular day that he got third behind Kevin Windham and Ricky Carmichael, and again, remember, at, at 16 years old, he was in ninth grade. That day, he beat over 12 factory riders, including guys like Jeremy McGrath, Chad Reed, David Villeman in his prime, um, Sebastian Tortelli, a world champion, uh, Nick Way, Michael Byrne. I mean, the list is long. You know, Kyle Lewis. Um, and uh, we did that on race tech. He did that on race tech suspension, you know. And so uh, we're going a lot back to our roots you know, on a lot of stuff. And so uh, uh, that's definitely one of the things that we've made a big change and have found a big benefit from. Those guys are great. Paul Feed, who's the owner, and Rob, who's the main tech, they are awesome. And uh, not one week prior to that debut at Steel City, I believe, uh, or that, that or two weeks before you turned pro at Millville, or Mike did anyway, uh, you guys were at a four-stroke national uh, hosted by none other than uh, Don Schneider, where I believe uh, Mike finished close to the front, did he not? Yeah, Don Schneider is awesome. Um, that race was actually held in Victorville, which was the hometown, our hometown at that particular time. And, and Ryan Hughes was the big name of, you know, who was going to be at that race. And yeah. and, uh, and uh, it, uh, it went down, let me tell you. Um, I mean, Ryan Hughes came there, and he looked like a convict, you know. And we were, I mean, if you want to be scared, that's the guy that's going to scare you, you know. I mean, <laughs> ran over a mechanic in the pit, you know, was air air boxing in front of Mike at the starting line, tried to take him out in practice a few times. It was gnarly. But Mike Cole shot both modals and won both modals, you know, and so uh um that was kind of the beginning, you know, of everything. Absolutely. And uh and given the fact that not uh one year previous Rhino was uh, vying for a, a one twenty five championship, uh uh one could say that uh, Mike was able to win his very first professional debut. Um his uh, official debut, which would be 250 Pro Class, um, yeah. which would have been at uh, Hangtown, his second moto, he led, you know, basically 99.9% of the race. And, but uh, Langston, uh, at the last corner, kind of like, take your pick, through the bike, lost control of the bike, whatever you want to do. And it's through the bike. bike. Yeah. And so uh, he ended up, you know, not getting that accomplished. But it was awesome because the very next week, he got the overall at high point. So it was... Uh, kind of whatever you want to call it sweet revenge or whatever you want to call it but it was it was great absolutely uh, a first legit shot at being uh first overall and uh, you go ahead and uh, capture it um let's talk a little bit about uh the decision to uh take mcr to a global audience this year uh 
racing in multiple countries across the pond back over in uh, over in England as well as Canada and uh, North America and the United States. Um, why pull the trigger on that? Um, explain just like because uh, I I know I've heard you talk about it a couple of times and I love the ideology behind it. Um, explain that for us. Well, here's the thing. Um, when you're going to motocross series, I mean, you know, let's say that you're a guy that's going to be running somewhere top 10. Yeah. You kind of get blended in there after a while. You know what I'm saying? You get just kind of like, it's just mundane. It's just blended in. You know what I'm saying? But exactly. if you go to a, a new series, um, call it every month, you know, that's kind of what we did. Mm -hmm. um, then it's like, wow, these guys are here. You know, and it, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of bang for your buck, you know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, this is all about, you know, the, the, the sponsors want to be seen. They want to be promoted, you know? And so you get the most for that when you're showing up and doing a couple of rounds of each city series, you're more visible than you would be if you're just there every week, you know, somewhere top 10, you know what I'm saying? You just, you just receive more visibility, more promotion. Absolutely, yeah. I, I can't oh, on the top top of my head who can tell you who's in eighth place right now in the 450 class here in uh, uh, or down there in the United States of America. Uh, actually, Canada either. But uh, I definitely know what races that you've hit, and uh, if say someone was to do an one-off race somewhere, uh, I'd know about it. Right there, you go. So to see that 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 proves what the theory is, you know, and so uh, and again, you know, it's it's nice to go and and uh, to visit different places and different people and see different fans and and um basically play to you know a, a diversified audience it's just better for sure overall. um like obviously uh there's 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 challenges involved as well i know you you guys spent almost an entire month in uh over in england what was uh some of the things that you battled over there uh whether it be finding places to practice and then once you get there uh finding some pretty interesting soil I mean, obviously, you get there and, you know, you have to deal the time zone right away. Yeah. You know, because that's, uh, you Eight know, hours. A day, you're a day in the wrong direction, pretty much, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, the motorcycles from U.S., the settings that, like, we all live by, which is kind of a high front end and a low back end, and it's everything is the opposite. Okay. There, it's like, you don't cut your subframe, you run a high back end, a low front end, and the dirt out there has no traction in it whatsoever. It's hard dirt, and those tracks do not get ripped. They are 100 years old. Um, so you, essentially, everything that you know about racing in the U.S., throw it away. You get to start all over. You need a, a bike that's not powerful, that has a broad power band, that has super, super soft suspension, um, and uh, bike gets traction, you know? And it's, it's everything different than U.S. U.S. racing is usually deep dirt rip deep you know and you get in a rut and you hold the bike wide open you know and that's u.s racing and there it's all about technique on a motorcycle uh, being able to carry momentum using outside inside lines like that and being able to flow um so yeah completely different than racing in the u.s Right on. So uh, we're, we're we're planning on doing a couple of schools, then head down to California for uh, basically uh, pulling the trigger on a, on a uh, the two, 2016 program. Uh, as far as um, what you'd like to see in 2016, I know uh, you're a goal oriented guy. Uh, what kind of uh, what would you like to see from uh, from from Mike as well as the rest of the uh, the team? 
Well, I think to begin with, I mean, I think we're going to surprise some people because we are we are going to have a one single uniform brand for next year. Okay. Um, so that means the bike will change that Michael Essie is riding. And, um, you know, there's obviously going to be development time um, to develop the bike, which I'm hoping I, that's why I need to start early, you know, and so we're going to start early and I hope to have all the material prepared by uh, the latest end of September. I'd like to have everybody start um, their test program like October 5th, which is a Monday, I believe. And um, I'd like to carry that, that through the month of October um, and into early November. And then as soon as I feel like that's all good, I'd like to give the guys a little break. And then uh, I'd like to pick it up again, if it, you know, maybe after Thanksgiving and um, finalize everything, get them into race mode at that point, you know, and um, build the race bikes, uh, build, build the race bikes from there and be ready to start the season in January. So as far as uh, um, building a race bike, uh, how much hand do you have in the assembly and uh, and, and basically the, the makeup of, of what a race bike should be for uh, your athletes? Well, I mean, I have my hands on everything, you know. Um, so, but in terms of like, I mean, we have a schematic, I guess you'd call it for lack of better words, of what we look for and how mm-hmm. we want the horse collar, you know, set up. And so we prepare that setting you know and work until we get that look of the curve that we're looking for and then once we have the curve then basically we need reliability so we want the curve we want the reliability and then from that point then you know obviously there's lots to do with the chassis you know and so uh, and then once at all you marry your chassis to your your engine package then when it's all together and then it's set then you have the complete package but it's uh, it's all a process. It all takes time. It all takes money. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I, I had Mike or Mike Genova just on, as you know, it was on your cell phone, of course. But uh, he had mentioned that uh, we we talked about his 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 experience riding motocross. I know you, uh, avid rider yourself, uh, more maybe more back in the day, but uh, still throw a leg over a bike every once in a while. But uh, he'd mentioned that uh, if the the two of you had to throw down for a moto, uh, he'd have you. Uh, what's your reaction to those statements? Wait, wait, say that again. Mike Genova what, what said he, he he'd be able to handle you out on a motocross track. He would beat me. I think that's what he said. <laughs> okay, um, I, I I think it's possible. You know, I would say that uh, he still rides now. You know, I haven't rode for a long time. I mean, I think my last active year riding was probably 1983. So I mean, I mean, actively riding, I have not done for a long time. So. I would say he's been more current than me, so I'd say it's definitely possible. Fair enough, man. Well, uh, let's get uh, let's get that kid of yours uh, on the on the show here. Uh, I should say I, I would say kid, but he's literally the same age as me. I think we might have been born uh, maybe five or six months apart. But nevertheless, uh, Tony, it's always a pleasure talking to you, man. Uh, I love uh, I love the way you're passionate about the sport. But uh, let's get talking to uh, to Mike. All right, thanks again for everything. Appreciate right. being on the show. Here's Mike. Take care. All right, we're back on commercial break, guys. We'll be right back after these. Hey, this is Fly Racing's John Short on the number 253 machine, and we're going to commercial. We'll be right back. So what do you think of Rich Taylor? Lighter than air and stronger than steel. So what that means, it can move much faster. 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. 
from the Scatter X, Volcano and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a lickin' and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to BillsPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lidinovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. All right, we're back on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, and we've got none other than the 800 himself, Michael Lessie. How's it going, Mike? I'm doing pretty good. That was a pretty cool introduction. <laughs> Not too bad. I've been practicing that, can you tell? 
Uh, I can tell. That was pretty dang good. Uh, you were almost as good as the intro at Supercross when they introduced the riders out in the top ten. Well, you would know what that sounds like because you've been up there quite often, my friend. Uh, and uh, with that, I know that I can send in my, uh, my application to uh, take over that guy's job. There's a good chance they might let you in and uh, you could be the voice of Supercross could do it um but uh mike i just well, i had to have you on after uh like this last weekend a hometown race for uh moto concepts and uh, uh especially earlier in the day the day you were absolutely flying out there um of course your, your team owner uh, revealed the fact that you may have been a little bit timid out there during the motos you can uh you can deny that if you'd like um uh, but uh Talk to us a little bit about Washougal. Uh, how did things go for you? And uh, give us a little overview of your weekend. Well, first we did a race at PIR on Thursday. Yes. That was pretty cool. A little race that uh, they had going on. Um, Vince and I got second and third. Um, didn't get a great start. or spun really, really bad on the concrete. I'm not used to concrete starts this year, so it's just spun really bad. Came from way, way back. Um, got to second. And I could see uh, the leader, and I got to him on the last lap. I just needed one more lap, and uh, there was a good chance I may have been able to, you know, win the race. But that's racing. I got a bad start, so second was all I had, and made a couple of bucks, which was cool. And uh, got Smart Top Motor Concepts on the podium, second and third with me and Vince. And then we went to uh, Washougal, which was a weird, weird day with the rain. I've I've never seen it rain like that in in Washington. Um, or at least at Washougal in July. It just was weird. It was like no warmer than 60, 60 degrees. It was cold. It was rainy. Um, everybody was trying to huddle under umbrellas, tarps, and uh, it made the track really tricky, slippery. Um, everybody knows that Washougal is already pretty slippery. So with water, it's like riding down an ice skating rink. So it made it tough. The day yeah. of racing didn't go great for me, but, uh, you know, we still had fun. It was the home race for all of the Moto Concept Loser Concept uh, employees, and we all came out. It was like 40, 50 people, and they had a good time, um, enjoyed the day of racing. And my, my teammate, Vince, went 10-10 for 11th overall, so he had a good day. And uh, first moto, we were running 56 for about five or six laps, and unfortunately had a goggle problem, and I had to definitely pull back because I had to take my goggles off and when Kennard got by me, he roosted me. You know, obviously it's racing, but he roosted my in my eyes and I had to pull even more back. So that's how it went. The day wasn't that great. So See, I, I, I always think that Trey, Trey Kennard's a nice guy, and then he goes ahead and does something like that. Racing. That's how it goes. you got to <laughs> have a good start and be a friend of all the, the roosts. Absolutely. Um, but uh, so this year has been, uh, I would say, possibly one of your most, I wouldn't say injury riddled seasons because uh, you've had major injuries in the past, uh, um, some of which you might still be uh, having a little bit uh, residual here and there. But um, like unbelievable season going up to Daytona and then uh, a, like, like a few different uh, hurdles for you to get over. Um this must have been like a, a frustrating six months for you. Yes, it has been. It's been a lot of injuries with uh, with my uh, my meniscus and Supercross. I won the heat race at Anaheim, Anaheim two, and then yeah. the main event I was eighth or ninth place. And with three laps to go, my knee uh, just twisted, popped, and locked. And 
come to find out I tore my meniscus and uh, that was pretty painful and uh, it took a lot out of me. So healed up from that and I uh, started getting some good results again during uh, Dallas and uh, Lancer, I believe it was. And then at Daytona, won the semi and then in the main event, uh, had a pretty big crash and uh, broke, broke a vertebrae in the top of my back. So that, uh, that put me back another month or so. And uh, just coming back from that injury, I started getting good again, started feeling 100%, and then I hurt my sternum in uh, the middle of June. So it's just been, I get healthy, and then I get hurt again, and then I get healthy, and then I get hurt. So it's just been kind of a you know, catch-up year, trying to get healthy. Um, and it's been tough for sure, but like you said, in Supercross, I had a good, lot of good finishes, and I was just starting to get that ball rolling. And then I got hurt at Daytona, and that, that really put me back. No kidding. Uh, like, uh, what better time to uh, basically just uh, put the landing gear down uh, in Spokane, Washington, uh, do a couple of schools over the next couple uh, week or so, and then uh, reset our sights for uh, for 2016. Get healthy, uh, and, and uh, honestly, in my opinion, you are in, you have a a great opportunity to have an unbelievable 2016 because. Uh, 27 might be uh, old for a motocross racer as far as that career goes, because that's 10 years into a career. But for a lot of high-octane high athletes, hockey fo- hockey players, football players, it's kind of the, the prime of their career. You could be looking at having uh, like your best days ahead of you. Well, that's the plan. I mean, 2015 has been pretty much written off. It's been a pretty bad year. So we're going to heal up and get healthy and be uh, – ready for 2016 to to be uh solid at anaheim one and obviously try to stay away from the injuries that's always the hardest part in racing it's part of riding a motorcycle you never know when the injuries are going to come but as long as you're smart and you uh avoid any sort of uh, circumstances going to get you injured you uh, avoid it so that's uh that's the plan you know motor concept smart top racing is going to be behind us and supporting us so it should be a good year 100%. Now, uh, I mentioned this with uh, with your dad there, um, and um, motocross is always about just pushing the limits, about just, you, you name it, like whether it be your body and the machine you're, that you're on. And uh, I had asked him that, uh, like, it's very, very good, very possible and highly likely that uh, you and Vince are the fastest motocross racers to ever use race tech suspension. Uh, would, you, uh, would you agree with that statement? Uh, I would definitely agree. Vince and I really like the race tech suspension. They're great guys and uh, great people. They treat us well and they give us the support that we need. And uh, I couldn't ask for anything better. Um, great people. And I know Vince and I, we really like riding for race tech. 100%. Hopefully uh, to see you back on that uh, suspended by, uh, by race tech uh, in 2016 and beyond. That's the plan as of right now. Sweet. Uh, so, um, you were international Mike this year, uh, Canada, England, USA, you name it, uh, all the while battling those injuries. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, battling the struggles and the struggle, I believe the struggle was real, as your dad was saying, uh, in England. Tell us a little bit about your training in England before uh, racing a couple of the events out there. Well, we went to England and France. Um, the racing was tough. The, the tracks were gnarly. The guys were fast, obviously. Um, but you know, overall we saw some cool places. We went to a lot of nice places and definitely enjoyed our time while we were there. And, uh, it was, it's been a busy summer for sure. Going to England, France, taking a train to Switzerland, back to California, then up to Calgary, Canada, then back to Florida, 
been to California and then up to Washington right now. So it's been kind of zigzagging all across the country and across the, honestly, the world. So kind of ready to kind of, like you said, put the landing gear down and uh, take a little bit of rest. Right on, man. Uh, hopefully, uh, you, once you're once you're healthy, you'll be able to put some time on that beautiful 252 stroke. I shared it on my uh, social media this morning. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, that particular build. Uh, not too many race teams uh, putting together a 252 stroke. Uh, I can only imagine the last time you would have raced one, you might have been on a super mini, uh, maybe uh, early years in a 125. But uh, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that that. Riding that two-stroke and uh, that build in general. Oh, it's awesome! It's a two-fifty-two stroke. It's a Suzuki 2003. Um, Good here. It's been completely rebuilt, and we're obviously trying to get it all fixed up so we can race it um, at some races in the off season and have some fun racing and go enjoy our time. So it's something that Moto Concepts Smart Tops put together and uh, a nice motorcycle, a nice piece, and. Uh, we uh, showed it off this past weekend at, at uh, Washougal, uh in front of the semi, and people took a lot of pictures of it. They were really digging it. So you can't replace that two-stroke sound and that two-stroke noise. I mean, um, there's nothing like it, and I know a lot of people miss it. For sure. Nothing better than uh, being able to make dirt bike noises with, like in speech after the race when like that's the same noises that you made it on the track. Like You want to be able to be like, ah, da, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right on man well uh um I, there's a couple more questions i had for you before i let you go but uh first of all um how different was it going into a corner with no engine braking well it's a lot different obviously with the new bike it's the technology is so much broader and greater um rather than a two-stroke for sure it's different um just the way the bike runs the way the bike works the suspension it's a completely different way of riding fair enough and uh one of the other things i've always wanted to ask you is uh have like do you ever do any play riding like like i always i always see posts of you guys doing like lots of motos training practicing stuff do you ever just go out and just like throw nasty whips or like can you throw nasty whips or I don't even, like, that's just always been a question of mine, Michael Essie. Like, uh, what's your playwriting uh, skills like, or, or do you do in a, do you do much of that? Well, there's not too much time for that, but when we do, we like to hang out with Joe Cobb up here in Spokane, Washington, and do some flat tracking and enjoy our time while we're riding with him and teaching us some new ways of how to corner and go faster around the bend. Right on, man. Well, uh, last question before before I let you go. Uh, what needs to happen for Mike Alessi to have the most successful uh, 2016 possible? Well, right now I need to get 100% healthy, take some time off, kind of recoup, let the batteries charge up, and uh, and then come back and get that fighting spirit where I know I'm ready to come back and I'm hungry again and uh, put down the work, what it takes to be at this top level, and uh, – come out fire in 2016 that's the plan that's the plan man well uh once you're nice and healthy put those wheels in motion and um yeah i, I can't wait to uh, see what you guys come to the line with uh for 2016 it's going to be a great year for you thank you i appreciate it awesome uh toss the phone over to vince and uh i really appreciate you coming on man no problem thank you for having me take care yeah 
Back on commercial break one more time, guys. We'll be right back with Vince Freezy. Hey, this is George Steinke, and we're going to commercial. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they're simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12 the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. The 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard and more. Check out EKSBrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, 
pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to dubyausa.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to BillsPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lininovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. And we're back. Vince Freezy, the number 45 in your program, number uh, number 10 in your motos, and number 11 in your hearts. Uh, how's it going there, uh, Vince? Uh, an eventful weekend for you. A 10-10 performance in the mud, in a decent track. Uh, all adds up to an 11th overall. How's it going? Ah, it was good. Um, it, it was, you know, that, that's the best I've done on a 450, so I can't can't be unhappy with it you know I, I think i have more in me but I, for right now it's a step in the right direction and uh i think as long as i'm i'm taking steps in the right direction that's that's kind of the focus and the main goal and and it's always good to keep moving forward 
Absolutely, couldn't agree with you more. Um, obviously, uh, last year you're in the uh, the MX2 class up here in Canada. Did very well, came right down to the wire. And uh, this weekend or this year, you head up to Canada and in Calgary, uh, you put the boots to the guys, showing them how it's done in their backyard for the most part. Um, what's it like to come across the finish line first in a, uh, a pro national, even though it's uh, a bunch of uh, with a bunch of uh, Canadians wearing uh, flannel. Um, it was it was really good. I was I was really happy with that race. It was a good confidence builder. It was good, um, kind of just all around an awesome day. And I, I was happy to get the win there. And that, that was my goal going in there. And I, I knew there was a lot of really good guys that I was going to have to go up against. But um, you know, some of them were a little older. Some of them were, you know. I just kind of felt like I should have been the guy to win that race going into it. And I had that mindset and, and, um, everything kind of went my way that day. And I even had a little tip over, but, um, you know, Metcalf had some, has had a little bad luck and Gorky did too. So it, it worked out, worked out my way, even with a, with a crash, I, I still ended up with the overall and I was uh, really happy. I rode well all day other than that, that one crash. And, um, my bike was working amazing. Um, uh, had the team team there support me 100 percent and it was good you know i went to uh hang time going to Helen on my own without, without the team while mike was over in uh europe they kind of gave me the option to either go with them or stay back and and try to race the first two and i was maybe kind of made a bad choice of staying here but i learned a lot at those couple of races and and you know had a lot of time between men and, and calgary to to make my bike right and make myself better the, the things that i did wrong at that race I, I fixed in those few weeks and the things that were wrong with my bike, my team helped me fix in those few weeks. And I went into to Calgary feeling really good, really strong. And, um, I felt like it was my race to lose, honestly. Well, I got to imagine in that time, uh, between, uh, those first couple of rounds, uh, that you did on your own and, and Calgary, you were able to, uh, log quite a few laps in at, uh, at either milestone or Paris, uh, working with those, uh, those race tech guys, uh, making sure that that, uh, MCR bike of yours was absolutely on point dialed in for, uh, for, for your first race back. Definitely. Definitely. We did a lot of suspension work and, and got my stuff working really, really well for, for Calgary. And I think it showed, uh, I was able to ride almost at another level up there, and um, my suspension just worked so good all weekend. And um, yeah, I was pumped with the race tech stuff, and and you know we even made some other other tweaks with the bike. You know, Tony's always really good about about watching my bike, and and he's got a good eye for for making things work right. And um, yeah, it's it's all kind of it, it's all a part of it. You know, it kind of showed at Hangtown and Glen Helen when I show up there without my team and and out without everybody there to to support me and make sure everything's right and, and all that it's it's tough you know and even if it's just like a, a little bit uh, you know a couple little things you know that's the only difference between getting a 10th and a 20th you know it's, it's just a small tick if you're you know one click off all day long it's the difference in a 10th and a 20th so that definitely showed and um yeah having my team there is is huge 100% it's a team effort. Uh, might be an individual sport, but having all those supports around you, having to only worry about riding the motorcycle is a huge benefit to you guys. Uh, and uh, it definitely turned up roses for you in Calgary where you were able to uh, take advantage of the massive pro payout here in the Canadian Nationals. Yeah, yeah. 
I raked up on that one. No doubt. Um, I, I'd love to get your take after now you've done an entire Canadian National Series um, based on uh, just on the series as a whole and some of the characters involved. Uh, what is your uh, your overview of uh, the Canadian Nationals? And uh, um, if there's anyone, if there's ever a privateer that's listening, uh, that would you suggest them come up here? Uh, and and when they get here, what do they have to look forward to uh, or uh, maybe watch out for? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it, and um, I have recommended it to a couple of buddies that are that are privateers, and, and that that uh, you know it's kind of in the right spot to to go up there and not keep chasing around uh, one point here, one point there, and in, in the AMA Nationals. It's definitely a good series, and and uh, I enjoyed doing it, and I enjoyed going back for just the one race this year, and I kind I kind of like what we're doing this year, to be honest, and it kind of came at a good time for me doing doing the program that we're doing this year, but. Um, yeah, I got to go do some different stuff. Got to go, you know, ride some different races and, and um, jump around. It is hard, maybe not kind of finding that groove and that flow and momentum. But um, to answer your question, yeah, I, I would recommend to, to other privateers go race, go race the Canadian Nationals. Go give it a shot, and you know, if you're a, if you're a tenth to tenth to twentieth place guy down here, you you might have a, a shot at a win or a podium up there, and it's good for the confidence and. Um, you know everything else. There's, there is a few good teams up there. It seems like that are, are putting in some support, and uh, maybe you can get a get a spot on one of those. It's not a bad gig, I think. Hundred percent. Now, uh, um, uh, Tony was mentioning that they, you guys are running a uh, a whole shot contest, as well, or not contest, uh, a clinic, as well as a riding clinic in the next couple of weeks up there in Spokane. Is uh, as far as that whole shot clinic, is that something that you will be teaching, or uh, is or you'll be uh, hoping to learn from Mike? Uh, no, it's Mike doing a, a whole shot clinic, and uh, he's he's in a riding school, and then uh, I'm gonna give him a whole shot clinic at the race on uh, on Saturday. Boom! Just like just calling it right now. Uh, Vince Freeze or Vince Freezy is uh, gonna be out front uh, on Saturday. That's a bold statement, my friend. Uh, yeah, that's the plan. Right on, man. Um, as far as uh, your 2016 goes, uh, you're like, I don't, like, have you have you signed a contract with MCR? Uh, or I guess uh, that's a I guess uh, tough question to ask. But uh, what are your plans for 2016 and beyond? I'm still working on it at the moment. Um, I'm I'm talking with with Moto Concepts again and um, talking with some other teams and still kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to do, what direction I'm going to go and. You know, I just want to do what's best for my career and, and um, what's going to help me make the biggest step in the right direction and, and the best step in the right direction, I guess. And, uh, you know, it's a decision I'm going to have to make here, here pretty shortly, hopefully. And, um, yeah, not nothing yet, but um, hopefully soon. So uh, this weekend, this last weekend in Washu was a mud race, uh, and the first time I met you was possibly, like you mentioned before we hit the air, one of the worst mud races you've ever been in. Uh, how do you, uh, where did you find these skills in the mud, and uh, has there ever been something worse than uh, the uh, the track where the city rhymes with fun? Yeah, I, uh, and I don't know if I, if you'd say I'm like a, a just a super good mud rider or not i think regina i I struggled a little bit i was i was kind of there i was thinking more than anything just keep my bike running because i I saw how many guys were sitting on the side of that track with their bikes blown up and and i just wanted to keep my bike running and try to stay in the points and uh 
this weekend was more of a, of a real race. You know, we were all still going pretty fast and it was just sloppy a little bit. And really by the end of the first moto, we were, we were close to full speed. And by the second moto, I, I think guys were only a few, few seconds off the normal times at Washougal. So it was, it was a, a real race in that second one. It was just, it was really rutted, really rough and uh, pretty slippery. So it kind of had all the different elements of, uh, of what makes a, a hard to ride racetrack. And, um, I feel like I, the harder and more technical the track is, the kind of the more I excel. Not necessarily in the mud, but just as far as technicality of the track, you know, the the, the, the more difficult it is, the better I seem to do. I don't know, I don't know why, but I, I just seem to like that that type of track. Definitely uh, seems to be uh, seem to be one of the reasons why you always seem to excel in uh, on the East Coast Supercross track. The the, the tracks uh, seem to be uh, um, at to, at some point tamed down a little bit in terms of the jumps and everything, but the soil ob- often uh, presents a lot of different challenges. Something that you uh, react well with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm from from Missouri, so I'm I'm used to riding and, and a little bit of mud and definitely a lot of ruts and and you know the more. Uh, the wet dirt and tacky dirt and stuff like that. So I enjoy, I enjoy riding ruts and, and a little bit of mud every now and then. But this weekend was definitely a fun race for me. Regina was not, not so fun, but, um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Right on. You heard it here first. The best part about Regina was meeting me. Um, <laughs> Uh, I wanted to ask you a, a couple questions before I let you go. Um, what's something that you do on the bike, or that's something uh, on the bike wise that uh, skill wise that you're constantly working on? Something that um, you're you're having to like really focus on work, getting better. Uh, inversely, what's a special talent that you have on a motocross bike that uh, you're not sure why you do it so well? You don't have to work on it, and uh, it, it's just something that uh, you're just good at. Um, you know, I, I've kind of, I feel like my strong points have always been corners and starts and, um, kind of my, I guess you could say my weak points have been kind of finding a, a good flow and a good rhythm and, and some of the, the bigger supercross rhythms and stuff like that. Not necessarily like not doing the jump, but just not doing the, the rhythms or the jumps as fast as some of the other guys. And, um, you know, you'll talk to some guys that, that say, Hey, that's the easy part is, is getting through the sections fast and it's like how do you get turned quick enough to get the next one or how do you how do you get a start inside the top five every time so that you don't you're not dealing with the guys in 15th to 20th trying to pass them for the first half of the race um i think some things just come easier than others to to different guys and and that's just kind of been my strong suit is has been uh kind of starts and turns and flat turns and um things like that we've actually been working some flat track lately with joe cop up here in washington and um that's kind of helped even my my probably my strongest point is flat left-hand turn is is made that even stronger so um so yeah i gotta always during supercross make sure i focus on on flowing and staying low and working the rhythm sections and stuff like that no doubt. Um, as far as like it, like is for for a, a supercross rhythm section, and I've seen this a few times when I go to milestone. You see guys linked sections together. What's it like to be tripling a section? Like say you go three three three, and uh, all of a sudden you uh, like you'll see a guy like eye something up, and all of a sudden you guys pull out a three four two. Like all of a sudden, how do you go from taking off of a face like a three footer, and all of a sudden going another? I'd say no less than 30 feet. 
Yeah, it, it's tough. And I, I mean, for me, that's kind of, I guess, I don't know if you'd say what I struggle with, but that's, that's definitely something that I have to work on. And, and um, it's tricky. There's guys like James Stewart that make it look so easy and um, they can just do it effort, effortlessly. And, and um, yeah, they, they, they see it and do it. And, and I mean, it's, I don't know, to be honest, there's a bunch of girls floating by on a boat right now and I can't focus, but... <laughs> that's Mike, an honest that's man it. right there. Mike, Mike pointing them out and not letting me, not letting me focus. But yeah, do, do the quads. I, I got to do the quads. Absolutely, and uh, and if and if there's and if there's broads, you got to do the broads, right? Definitely. No, no. I want to cut that one out. <laughs> well. Right on, Vince. I really appreciate you taking some time during, uh, it looks like it's time for pizza and it's time to ogle women uh, on your vacation. I'll let you go for now. Uh, if you can, toss the phone back to, uh, to Tony. Uh, and, uh, but uh, for now, we'll, uh, we'll say goodnight. Tony's making pizza. Hold on a second. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.